pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to episode 20 of Inside Atlanta Football. It's News Gazette sports editor Matt Daniels back with beat writer Colin Likas. After we took a took a week hiatus last week while we were uh, busy finishing up some other stories and uh, other items that ran in, in the News Gazette sports section. Also, too, and I think Colin can vouch for this as well, we're kind of in the the dog days of college football coverage uh because june and july are certainly going to be busy uh recruiting months for illinois and and all programs as well but coaches are taking some time off before it gets really hectic here in the next couple months before training camp uh rolls around but uh, we are back for episode 20 of inside Illini football on a sunny warm Wednesday afternoon, the Wednesday before Memorial Day. Colin, how are you doing? Doing well, Matt. And uh, yeah, we uh, didn't have a ton to talk about last week. We have a little bit more to talk about this week, I think. Um, I hope. For, first and foremost being uh, yesterday's news that Illinois and Maryland will be playing their week four game um, on a Friday night instead of on a Saturday afternoon or Saturday Morning, morning guess, or Saturday night. When it they, they, hadn't, they hadn't announced the time right. for that. So, yeah, Friday Friday night now. Um, not Which could be anywhere from 5 to mm-hmm. 8 p.m. Right, no specific time set yet or TV station or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, another opportunity for Brett Bielma's first team to have a spotlight put on it along with the kind of week zero, week one, what, whatever you want to call it, matchup against Nebraska that's happening when not a lot of other football will be happening. Uh, this is another opportunity for some eyes to get put on the Illinois program that might otherwise not have been. Of course, you can make the argument that it is butting up against high school football, which we assume will return locally on Friday nights this coming fall. Um, regardless, though, getting uh, put on TV as a college football program on a Friday night is just naturally going to draw more eyes to you, uh, whether you're talking in-state or out-of-state. So, Exciting news for Bielema's program, and uh, maybe the last scheduling change. You can only hope it's the last scheduling change, but schedules are always subject to change. So maybe Illinois will get two games put on a Friday night at some point, or maybe this game will go back to Saturday and some other game will go to Friday. Who knows? Uh, TV tends to be pretty pretty fickle. Adjustments happen on the fly a lot. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm kind of torn on this. I, I see <clears throat> I see both sides to the argument for a Friday night game and a uh, Big Ten game here in Champaign, uh, Illinois. As we've documented in in the past, has uh, has been prone to host uh, Friday night kickoffs in Big Ten games. Mm-hmm. Nebraska comes to mind. Uh, Penn State in, in 2018, uh, they were supposed to host. I believe it was Kent State in 2015 before that was uh, ultimately pushed back, (laughs) pushed ahead to a Saturday after some really bad thunderstorms rolled through Champaign. Um, I get the allure of it 
for the TV aspect, and it's a primetime opportunity um, for Illinois to showcase its program in a a time slot where they'll likely be one of the marquee, more attractive, arguably probably one of the only Power 5 games on a Friday night. I guess that in that sense it's better than being buried at 11 a.m. On a, on a Saturday when there's a whole host of, of other college football games going on. Mm-hmm. I also see the downside of it, too. Um, again, we Illinois hasn't announced yet what their capacity plans are for the 2021 football season, although I think, just going out on a limb here, I think you would expect full capacity, as you've seen other, uh, I know Michigan sure. uh, announced last week it was going full capacity. Maryland, if this game was being played in College Park, Maryland, it would have full capacity mm-hmm. out there. Um, but then again, too, it just kind of takes away from some fans who maybe may not be able to get to Champaign in time for a Friday night kickoff if they're coming from the Chicagoland area or St. Louis or Indy or, or other parts of the country at all. And uh, college football games are almost like in the pre-pandemic world, and I think we're getting closer to that with each passing day where mm-hmm. some more normalcy starts to transpire. But college football games are an event. They're a, they're a huge weekend event. People plan months in advance, even years in advance sometimes, uh, what they're – what their weekends are going to be like in the fall based around college football and uh, moving a game to a Friday night kind of throws a, a kink in those plans. Also from a recruiting aspect too, it's good in the sense that you get exposure like this to uh, a nationwide TV audience. Then again, I'll, every Illinois football game is televised to a nationwide TV audience. It just kind of depends on who wants to to tune in. Downside of it is a lot of these high school recruits, they're going to have games on Friday night, so they can't get a chance to to come to Memorial Stadium and right. check out uh, what the atmosphere is like on a Friday night, or that's another another weekend loss. And then again, too, Illinois has added a recruiting weekend that wasn't initially on the schedule uh, because they're hosting Nebraska August 28th. That game was initially supposed to be in Dublin. Right. I don't think a lot of recruits were going to go over to Ireland to watch <laughs> Illinois, <laughs> Illinois play in, in that game. They were probably going to watch it on TV, if anything, but they weren't going to actually head over there. Now they get a chance to come experience Champagne in, in the opening weekend of the Brett Bielema era. Um, curious just to, to see what uh, effect this has on, on Illinois. Um, they've got quite a bit of games early on in, in the first half of the season uh, before their first off week of the year. So this adds to uh, a quick turnaround, especially to they're going to be playing their first road game of the season the week before on September 11th at Virginia. Not an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. And then having to come back to Champaign after traveling out to Charlottesville and then a quick turnaround uh, for that Friday night game uh, against Maryland. Uh, eager to see that. And uh, obviously storylines, too, before Illinois-Maryland come to Champaign is the fact that this is Maryland's <clears throat> first ever game at Memorial Stadium in Champaign. The teams have only met once before hmm. uh, back in 2018. Uh, not a notable game for Illinois. They lost 63-33 in uh, what ended up being Hardy Nickerson's final game as defensive coordinator under Lovey Smith. He resigned uh, the following Monday after that. Um, so, yeah, they don't have much history between the two teams. But then again, on the Maryland staff, you've got Mike Loxley, the head co- Terrapins head coach, former offensive coordinator at Illinois, uh, was the OC on the 2017 that went to the Rose Bowl, and obviously the guy that led Illinois to the Rose Bowl from from a coaching perspective was Ron Zook. He'll be back in Champaign for that game because uh, he 
joined Loxley's staff before the 2020 season, kind of in an off-the-field role and analyst role, and then this offseason uh, was elevated to special teams coordinator and uh, I believe outside linebackers coach as well. Uh, so he'll be on the opposite sideline at Memorial Stadium, a, a place that he's very familiar with, and uh, curious to see how that all unfolds. But, yeah, that's kind of uh, the big news of the week uh, when you look at Illinois football and in terms of scheduling and, and all the, the different facets that, uh, that spring out of this decision by the Big Ten. This is not an Illinois decision, although right. I'm sure if Josh Whitman really wanted to put his foot down in the sand <laughs> and draw a line, I'm sure he'd say no because we've seen in the past – Athletic directors at other Big Ten schools say, no, we're not playing on a Friday night at all. But I think for Illinois, uh, they kind of relish the fact that they get these these Friday night games, um, especially here in Champaign. Starts the weekend off a little bit early, but then it's weird, too, when you have all this uh, you know, build up to a Friday night game and then Saturday rolls around and you're thinking, you're, oh, it's going to be another college football Saturday. And that's that's not the case then. Yeah, but you know that's that's okay. Ultimately, it's not the end of the world. I mean, you're talking about one game and not an entire schedule, which I think obviously helps. Um, you know, September usually a pretty busy time for for athletes who are trying to get recruited as well. So I mean, it's 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 all right. It's not the end of the world. It's uh, and it's a ultimately it's a Maryland game. Like no offense to Maryland, but we're not talking about <laughs> Illinois facing Michigan, uh, Michigan, Ohio Wisconsin, State. Ohio State, a team like that. I mean, the Maryland game just wasn't going to be a this the draws more draw. this draws more attention to the Illinois Maryland yeah, game exactly. than if it were buried at, at 11 a.m. on yeah exactly on if it was buried at 11 a.m. on a Saturday I think most people would be like oh that game happened they would they would go look up the score afterward not Illinois fans or Maryland mm-hmm. fans but just general people who Illinois might now draw the eyes of on a Friday night because those people are available so yeah it could ultimately end up being a positive in that regard I think. Uh, switching gears a little bit, uh, we could just devote an entire podcast every week to recruiting because that uh, that topic never sleeps 365 days uh, out of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Illinois hasn't added any uh, new commits here recently. It's been a relatively quiet month of May and in that regard. I anticipate that's going to change in June and July, especially when the dead period ends uh, June 1st, which is what, next Tuesday? Uh, Day after yeah. Memorial Day? Yeah. So it'll be here relatively quick. Um, I know recruits have been out there on social media tweeting out graphics of, of them making official visits to Illinois in, in June. And uh, that's going to be a huge month uh, for the coaching staff. Uh, and it's really kind of, I would say, changed. The, the calendar has changed because normally June is, is busy in terms of recruiting and camp season and, mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, and then July is kind of the time for coaches to uh, kind of take some downtime, get a couple weeks vacation in and right around the 4th of July. And, and then the ramp up to the season starts in, in mid to late July with media days uh, throughout the country for, for the Power Five conferences. But uh, this year, since we've been in a recruiting dead period for almost 15 months because of the pandemic, uh, I think that changes a little bit. June is a heavily... Uh, scrutinized month, uh, not only for Illinois, but every other Power 5 program as, as recruits are, are able to get on campus for official visits, they're able to see facilities, they're able to interact with coaches, uh, they're able to get evaluated. So uh, Illinois is still sitting in pretty good shape in the 2022 class. Uh, they've got still eight commits 
on board. Uh, it's the most of any Big Ten West school so far in, in the cycle. And uh, just looking at uh, rivals uh, earlier today, Illinois ranked 27th in the country mm-hmm. with the class, which has been almost unheard of in the yeah. last five, six Five, six years for you have Illinois. to go down into the 70s or lower, typically. Yes, exactly. Uh, Ohio State, uh, they're still the cream of the crop in, in the Big Ten. And also in the country, the Buckeyes have the number one recruiting class. Um, but in the Big Ten, Illinois is right there, uh, even below the middle of the pack. They're uh, Rutgers, surprisingly. Greg Schiano mm-hmm. is, is at number six nationally. Penn State, number seven nationally. Followed by Michigan at number 19, Maryland at number 23, and then the next Big Ten school that checks in on that list is Illinois at number 27. And uh, if you notice, too, all those other Big Ten schools I just rattled off, they're in the Big Ten East. So Illinois, technically, right now, as you sit <laughs> here on Wednesday, May 26, has the top-ranked recruiting class in the mm-hmm. Big Ten West. Um, a lot, lot of time to go between now and December when the early signing period rolls around, mm-hmm. but that's still... Still some positive momentum that Illinois has been able to capture here mm-hmm. in, in the past couple months and, and harness. And we really saw kind of that buildup in, in April with a lot of commits in a short amount of time. And um, then again, rank, recruiting rankings are always interesting too because like Ohio State's number one in the country because they have, they have 12 commits. But three of those commits are labeled five-star recruits, seven or four stars, and the other two are three stars. With Illinois' eight commits, they don't have any four, five-star or four-star recruits. They have six right. commits that are labeled three stars right now. So Illinois is in a better position just because of the quantity of the class, um, but the quality of the players is going to be the ultimate test. And again, with recruiting, you don't know the full effects of a class until two, three years yep. uh, down the road and after they get on campus. and what they're able to do on the field, but certainly a, uh, a positive start for the Brett Bielmayer and, and the recruiting front. Yeah, the star rankings, obviously, you have to have some way to identify uh, athletes as they go through the recruiting process of high school or prep school or what have you. But I think Bielman has told us uh, multiple times already that he's not terribly concerned about stars at the end of the day because once they get on the field, the stars go away. I mean, you could have a three-star kid who turns out to be a multi-year starter for Mm -hmm. you at the college level and an important player and could even be All-American type. I don't remember exactly how many stars Kendrick Green had when Mm -hmm. he was coming out of high school, but I don't think it was five. And Kendrick Green's going to go compete for a starting job in the NFL very soon. As a rookie. Yeah, exactly. So um, I don't ultimately, at the end of the day, I mean, obviously it's it's nice to be like we have multiple five-star recruits. But Illinois just hasn't gotten a lot of five-star recruits lately. And it's hard to get five-star recruits because there are only so many kids who Mm -hmm. get five-star rankings uh, i mean there's a fair number of kids who get four-star rankings but so many kids are in that four to three range that i mean at the end of the day i don't think you should be all that worried if you don't have five-star recruits like you save those for your alabamas and your ohio states because they just get all of them but you don't it's, it's just it's just a ranking i mean the kids could come in and not fit with the program or not play well at the college level and then kids who are lower ranked could come in and be stars all of a sudden so I don't think that's a huge deal, but sitting sixth of 14 in the recruiting rankings, I think, is a big deal just because it shows that Illinois is gaining some traction under a new coaching staff, especially within its own uh, division in the conference. I mean, Michigan State's been kind of treading water here lately, uh, arguably even worse than that, but I mean, 
you're ahead of Indiana, which has really positive uh, momentum mm-hmm. of late after having a really strong previous season. I'd say Northwestern has probably had more positive momentum before the uh, Bielema hiring than Illinois did. Iowa is certainly a school that normally out-recruits Illinois. Iowa typically comes into Illinois and <laughs> takes a lot of recruits. Same for Wisconsin, which is all the way at the bottom of these rivals rankings as far as the Big Ten goes. Wisconsin normally comes into Illinois and steals a few kids, mm-hmm. and now we've seen Bielema and his staff going into Wisconsin mm-hmm. to go recruit some offensive linemen specifically. I mean, out of the schools that Illinois is above in the Big Ten, on this list, I think Purdue's the only one they've consistently been above mm-hmm. in recent years. Usually they're above Rutgers, but Rutgers obviously has a really good thing going with Greg Schiano right now. So you know, these recruitings are subject to change, but I think it's still just focusing on the fact that Illinois is 6 of 14 versus do they have X number of 5 stars, mm-hmm. 4 stars, 3 stars, I think is the big thing right now because you got to win in the Big Ten before you can go win anything else, which mm-hmm. is... Ultimately, what the goal is at the end of the day, even if people might laugh at it and be like, Illinois in the Big Ten Championship game, I mean, that's where they want to get to. That's where everybody wants to get to. And then you go up from there, ultimately. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, good starting point for Illinois football on the recruiting front. I am curious about the, the Rutgers side of things because it seems like Rutgers, too. I've just talked about Iowa and Wisconsin mm-hmm. coming into Illinois and taking looks at Illinois guys. It seems like more and more Illinois kids are getting Rutgers offers, too. I think Greg Schiano is trying to make some, some more inroads here. I know uh, Aiden Lawfrey mm-hmm. over at Gibson City is one kid who really likes Rutgers from what I've heard. He likes Illinois as well, but I've heard he likes Rutgers also. Um, so, yeah, I'm uh, curious what Greg Schiano's recruiting pitch, pitch over there right now is beyond I'm a, I'm a fairly good coach. <laughs> Come here and play. We're really bad. We need help. <laughs> <laughs> you will play right away, I guess, some, which has kind of that. been Illinois' recruiting pitch in some recent years as well. Yeah, but. I think with, it's it's encouraging on, on this front at least that Brett Bielema has been here five months now Mm. and it seems he came in with a clear-cut plan of how he wanted to go about recruiting where Mm -hmm. lovey smith i don't feel again the timing of his hiring i think affected as well because he lovey smith was hired the second week of march in in 2016 brett had the full off season he was hired a week before christmas had a, a jump start but i also think it speaks to the fact too that He's done this before at his previous stops at Arkansas and Wisconsin. He knew what areas he wanted to target, and as we've discussed too, he made it a priority in state to really connect with the high school coaches right from right from mm-hmm. the get go. And yep, I think you're seeing the the results of it so far. Again, a lot still to be determined with this 2022 class in, in the next seven months. But as we sit here going into Memorial Day weekend, I think it's. Uh, I think if you're if you're an Illinois fan feeling okay about recruiting, that's that's quite reasonable and yeah. uh, not outlandish to uh, to feel that way, right? Yeah, now. I mean when Illinois has got eight eight kids committed to the class of 2022, six of them are are ranked according to rivals, and Wisconsin's got literally one kid committed to its class. You usually feel pretty good about that. But on that front, especially on the in-state front, worth noting that uh, three of the four Illinois guys who are committed to that class of 2022 were named to the uh, the Coaches Association first-team all-state teams mm-hmm. earlier this week as well. So uh, Joliet Catholics, Jordan Anderson, and uh, Rochester's Hank Beatty, and Iroquois West, Clayton Leonard all made the first team. So that's obviously a good sign that those guys are getting uh, votes of confidence from the coaches throughout the state. They're considered some of the best of the best in their entire classes. Mm -hmm. Um, Good thing for for Illinois to hear. 
And they'll get a quick turnaround, too, because high school football mm-hmm. start again in Illinois in, in three months after they just mm-hmm. completed their condensed spring As season. far as we're aware, yes. In late April. Yeah, exactly, as far as we know. You ready to get to our draft, Colin? Sure, let's dive into it. All right, we're going to... I came up with a list of 10 Big Ten quarterbacks mm-hmm. that are on their active roster. They, they played last season. These, this isn't like a, you know, Historical. step back in the time yeah. machine, anything like that. We're going, we're going current. We're staying relevant here. Um, we've got 10 quarterbacks that we would like to lead our team. So yep. based on, um, a myriad of factors. There's not kind of that one I wouldn't think just looking at this list. And, and I wrote about it more in, in Wednesday's news because that on some some veteran Big Ten quarterbacks that are trying to add to their their legacy in, in 2021. Uh, there's really I wouldn't say there's just one guy that stands head and shoulders above everyone else like there was uh, going into last season after uh, knowing what Justin Fields uh, brought to Ohio State. Um, it's kind of a mixed bag of guys that have been around, guys that have been hurt, and a couple guys that are still kind of young and, and trying to prove themselves mm-hmm. into what they what they want to do. So, Colin, from this list of ten, do you want me to read all the names so our, our listeners know who they are? Do you just want to surprise I'm them? All, by I'm always on the fence about that. <laughs> I, I always prefer the element of surprise. All right, let's go surprise. I like it right. too. All right. You get the first pick, Colin. I get the first pick. We, like I said, I we, we kind of picked 10 quarterbacks, uh, returning quarterbacks, mm-hmm. two Big Ten schools. Uh, apologies to Michigan State. You're not on there. So there, there's one element of surprise. You, don't, you won't hear a Michigan State quarterback <laughs> called in, in this draft. But, Colin, go right ahead with your first pick. All right. I think with my first overall pick, I'm going to go uh, – there's a few – There's a lot of options you can go with. Exactly. Really. There's no uh, one clear-cut yeah, choice. I don't think there is. And um, knowing your draft history, you can <laughs> just go out there in left field sometimes. <laughs> I uh, I like athleticism in in my quarterbacks. Not to say that some of these quarterbacks aren't athletic, but I think some they are, are more athletic yeah. than others. So um, I'm going to go with Michael. Uh, Michael, I, I, I can never pronounce his last name. Right, Penix Michael Jr. Penix Jr. Yeah, Indiana. My, yeah, Michael Penix Jr. from uh, IU. Um, yeah, with uh, coming off an injury, I mean, I guess I guess you could argue that maybe he won't be as athletic as he used to be, a pretty severe injury at the end of last season. But I think he really stood out uh, for the Hoosiers last season, and he's got uh, over 3,200 passing yards in his career and uh, 25 touchdowns against eight interceptions. Um, yeah, I know the injury label obviously isn't a good one, um, but ultimately I need him for, what, four slash five years of college football versus 10 to 15 years of NFL football, so I'm going to take a gamble and go with uh, an athletic quarterback who can do a little bit of everything. All right, solid pick. Um, he's thrown for 3,258 passing yards at Indiana, 25 touchdowns, only eight interceptions, although each of his first three seasons have ended in injuries for yeah. him, two, two knee injuries and a shoulder injury. I'm hoping that he recovers. That's uh, my I like the pick, pick two just because he's a lefty. Bring there something different Southpaw. to the table. Cool. So uh, we'll, we'll go with that. All right, man. I feel like all these guys would be like, you feel pretty confident like in pick six through ten but the top pick it's kind of um i don't know i'm probably gonna go out on i don't know if it's too much of a limb given their history of prolific quarterbacks um i feel it's kind of a risk with my first pick overall but i'm going high upside here big big time potential 
And that takes me to Columbus, Ohio, and I'm pinning my hopes on C.J. Stroud sure. to be the next. Justin Fields, J.T. Barrett, Dwayne Haskins, uh, Terrell Pryor, pick a quarterback that Ohio State's had in, in recent history. Uh, C.J. Stroud is probably a name not known much to the casual college football fan, uh, considering he's hardly played in mm-hmm. college, um, but appears to be the guy to emerge kind of from a three quarterback competition at Ohio State this spring was the backup to Justin Fields last season did not has not thrown a college pass yet so I that's why I say high upside I feel like I'm like Kyle (laughs) Shanahan with the 49ers taking Trey Lance to North Dakota State with my top pick Uh, you're really just hoping this works out Um, and if it does you look like a genius and if it doesn't you look like a fool I think I'm going to look like a genius because he's a dual threat guy. Mm-hmm. He was a five-star recruit. Like we said earlier, those just aren't handed out to any sort of prospect mm-hmm. at all. Right. Uh, did have one rushing attempt in 2020, <laughs> ran, a 40, ran for a 48-yard touchdown just on that one attempt alone. So I'm going to go, again, high upside, C.J. Stroud, Ohio State. I sure. think, you know, looking back at this two to three years from now, uh, I think I'll look pretty pretty okay just based on what ryan day's offense has accomplished it's one of the most prolific offenses in the country and cj stroud looks to be the next guy to direct that ship in columbus all right yeah i don't think you can go wrong with an ohio state quarterback based on recent history it's kind of a cop-out pick too just because it's ohio state but he hasn't played really yet, so I don't yeah. know if that's necessarily okay. true, but I understand the, what you're thinking there as well. All right, you're back on the board, Kyle. Um, with my second pick, I think uh, I think I'm going to go with I'll go with Sean Clifford at Penn State. Okay. Um, he has starting experience, two years worth, which is always a good thing. Um, averages roughly 2350, 2400 passing yards a season. Uh, 41 to 16 on the touchdown to interception ratio is pretty good and Penn State football is um Penn State football is generally good yes <laughs> generally good so uh, bad at the start of 2020 yeah, lost right, their first right. five games Clifford yeah. was benched but redemption then he came back <laughs> and uh yeah I, I, I'm gonna take Sean Clifford next overall um even though like I just said uh early on like some athleticism in my quarterbacks. I also just like someone who can air the ball out as well. There's a few different guys on this list who I think kind of fit that bill. Okay. Uh, but I'm going to take Sean Clifford. Um, I think the 41 touchdown passes stand out to me as something that's uh, pretty exciting. Hopefully I, I get the right receivers to put him with as well. All right, with my last pick, I kind of feel I went almost like Ryan Pace, Mitch Trubisky, uh, drafting on kind of what I'm hoping is going to be a bright future. Mm-hmm. And with the second pick, I feel like I'm going to be Ryan Pace in 2021 and make a surefire pick that I know is going to work out like he did with Justin Fields, who's going to lead the Bears to two Super Bowls in the <laughs> next you know, five to six years. I'm very so hopeful. Come the face of the franchise, face of the city of Chicago. Uh, I'm going to go Tanner Morgan from Minnesota with my second sure. pick. Uh, not only is he a doppelganger for his coach and P.J. Fleck, um, but he's just produced on the field. Um, guy out of Kentucky that didn't arrive to Minnesota with much fanfare. Could leave the Twin Cities as arguably one of the top quarterbacks in Minnesota history, which, again, isn't saying all that much. But still, he's thrown for more than 6,000 yards in his career so far. Um, had a really breakout 2019 season, uh, threw for 30 touchdowns, almost more than 3,200 yards, had the, the highest completion percentage in Minnesota single-season history. Took a little bit of a step back last season, 
a lot of mitigating factors. Obviously, in 2020, the Gophers had to go on a COVID pause late in the season. Um, struggled early to kind of get into to a rhythm at all, but uh, his completion percentage dipped too a little bit. But still, he's a guy that knows how to win at the Big Ten level. Plays with probably a chip on his shoulder since he's overlooked and uh, still will be overlooked going into the season, even though everything he's done in his career just gives Minnesota really isn't considered, you know, a perennial power at all. What they did in 2019, I think a lot of people think it's more of a blip than a, a surefire thing. But I'll go Tanner Morgan, my second pick. I feel pretty good about that one. He just, I couldn't take him number one. Sure. Uh, but I, I feel I feel glad that he slipped to me there at, at number two. Sure. Uh, with my third overall pick, we start to get into some, I don't know, I don't know if it's dicey territory necessarily, <laughs> but there's certainly question marks mm-hmm. on some of these guys. Um. Yeah, you know what? I'll. Uh, I've, I've always tried to be supportive of the local guys or the guys who are local right now, anyway. So Homer. I'll take Brandon Peters. That's Homer. fine. Yeah, right. That's that's <laughs> what you would call it. Yeah, I'll take. Uh, I'll take. I'll take Brandon Peters as my third. It's pick. not a crazy pick. No, it's it could do much worse. Um, I think. But yeah, it's I'm gonna have a quarterback room that is going to need a consistent training presence. Uh, not not like training on quarterbacks, like health mm-hmm. trainers, yeah. people to to help with potential injuries and things like that. But yeah, we all know what Brandon Peters brings to the table. He uh, he's largely a throwing quarterback. He mm-hmm. broke out a little bit of a run game last season, and a little bit in the the spring game as well, I guess. But yeah, twenty-one to eight touchdown to interception ratio. Um, he can bring a he can bring a spark to a team when when need be. He's got he's showed he's got that intensity during the the Rutgers and Nebraska games, and uh, specifically in the Nebraska game. Uh, yeah, I don't think Brandon Peters is a bad middle of the draft pick here. Okay, my third pick. I'm going to go with the quarterback that completely outplayed him in the season opener mm-hmm. in 2020, and and that's Graham Mertz mm-hmm. at Wisconsin. Uh, just torched Illinois that, yep. that Friday night in in Madison. A, a, Friday night game that we didn't talk about earlier that Illinois probably doesn't look back fondly no, on in, no. in light of them playing Maryland this year on Friday night. Anyway, Mertz uh, obviously was kind of the talk of college football for about 12, 18 hours after we did it at Illinois. Uh, then was sidelined with COVID-19, had kind of an up and down rest of the way, finished with 1,000, about a little more than 1,200 passing yards, nine touchdowns, five picks though in, in 2020. Still, I feel it's weird looking at Wisconsin in 2021 who the Badgers visit uh, Memorial stadium on October 9th in a game that just is filled with juicy storylines with Brett Bielma coaching for the first time against his old program and Wisconsin returning to Champaign for the first time since the 2019 upset by the Illini. Um, but I feel the quarterback spot in Wisconsin is more solidified than what's going on in their backfield going into 2021, which is just, bonkers to think about given the, the litany of standout running backs they've had there and the kind of the game manager type quarterbacks but I feel Mertz could bring kind of a, a different element there uh he played so well I mean Jack Cohn the the starter in 2019 for Wisconsin ended up transferring to, to Notre Dame so Mertz is definitely the future at, at that spot there in Wisconsin and I feel if he can just be more consistent in in 2021 I feel this uh this pick should pay off so okay all right, Colin, your fourth pick. Okay, my fourth pick, I think, is, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, my, my entire board's probably just going to be really panned or weird or whatever you want to call it, but it's fine. doesn't doesn't bother me whatsoever. Uh, I'm going to go with someone who I think we all thought in real time should have been playing in the game against Illinois last season, 
but he rode the bench and rode the bench, and by the time he got off the bench, the game was pretty much over. Uh, Adrian Martinez over at Nebraska. Um, He's got the most passing yards for a career on this list. That doesn't necessarily mean wins, though. Um, and obviously he's not remained the starter throughout his entire, his time at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. He's occasionally, um, but you know what? He knows how to throw a ball. He knows how to pile up passing yards. You know, how to get teams into the end zone. Maybe they don't always win games, but sometimes that's not always your fault. I'm hoping if we put him on a better roster, maybe he might, uh, he might fare a little better. That's my hope anyway. So. And, and arguably the most dynamic runner uh, of the group in, yeah. in this, uh, in this available draft. So I, I, I can't fault you for, for that pick. I think a lot of people are just waiting to see kind of a breakthrough consistent sure. season for Adrian Martinez, who started as a true freshman at Nebraska and a lot of expectations were replaced on his shoulders. Yeah. So. All right. My fourth pick, I'm going to go kind of, um, Kind of go with another unproven commodity, uh, and that's over in Ann Arbor as the search for a dynamic quarterback continues for Jim Harbaugh entering year seven over there in charge of the Wolverines, and and that's Cade McNamara. He kind of came on a little bit at the end of last year. Uh, I think he's going to be the guy uh, this this season, at least to start with for Michigan. Um, Threw for 425 passing yards last year, five touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, again, though, it's, it comes down to just consistent play, and, and that really hasn't been the case uh, for the majority of Harbaugh's tenure uh, and finding kind of an elite quarterback that you can kind of build off, build a program around, and, and maybe McNamara is that guy and, and be, lifts Michigan back into kind of the upper echelon of college football that their fan base so desperately is wanting them to be at. All right, one more pick, Colin. All Two right. quarterbacks left. Who are you going to go? Two quarterbacks left, and um, because I value my ability to not look totally like a fool, I'm going to leave the pronunciation difficulty <laughs> up to you at the end. Um, I'm going to go with Spencer Petras, which I probably still mispronounce his name, out of Spencer Iowa. Petrus, uh, I think. Um, uh, he threw for 1,600 yards last season, completed 57% of his passes on 245 tries, finished with a quarterback rating of 119, uh, which is pretty good in most circles, I think. So, yeah, I mean, Iowa is known as a running team, mm-hmm. obviously. They've not been known as one to air the ball out a ton. But those stats are pretty good, and um, they ultimately are better than what the last quarterback on this list put up. So that's where I'm going. All right, I'm going again. I feel this my entire list it compares in contrast with, with your five picks because I think you went with guys that we've seen play mm-hmm. quite a bit, although yep. they do have some question marks, and I kind of went with the – not the unknown factor, but just the more on the potential factor. And, yeah. and that's that's where I rest here now with our, our my fifth and final pick, the only one left on the board, and that's Tali Tangavaloa, you uh, the younger brother of Tua Tangavaloa. Uh, he's at Maryland, transferred from Alabama. Mike Loxley played a huge part in that since he was the OC at Alabama. Got to know the Tangavaloa family, convinced his younger brother to join him in College Park, Maryland. Um Inconsistent at times last year, uh, threw for just over a thousand uh, yards, had seven touchdowns, also seven interceptions though. Um, but given a, a full off season, hopefully a normal off season for him <laughs> to right. to develop and, and get some rhythm in and get some timing in, 
Uh, I feel he's going to just carry on the tongue of a lion name of great quarterback play at the college ranks. Um, again, don't know if he's as talented as his older brother, but still don't think he can go very wrong with that one. So that concludes our draft, Colin. Good draft. Good draft. Good quality draft. All right. Sounds good. All right. That wraps up uh, episode 20 of Inside Illini Football. Thanks to Colin. I'm Matt Daniels. We'll be back next week for another one. Have a good week, everyone.